All right, we got questions from AEW, questions for WWE, questions even for Ring of Honor. And we're going to answer them all next on our Ask SCPB episode of the Squared Circle Psycho Babble. My name is Michael Valenti. Joining me is Ralph Valenti. Ralph, let's get down to it. We start with Chalo. I think I pronounced that right. If not, I apologize. But he asked, do you think Tony Khan needs some writers to help him book the shows based on a million jobs he has? I fear he will grow himself thin and run out of ideas. I definitely think he could afford to hire a few people. I think that he may even have people there to help him. Uh, William Regal. He could certainly be somebody I think that could help him out with that. Whether he's going to choose to do that or not, I guess remains to be seen. But with a a roster as big as it is and as bloated as I think it is, and sometimes you see that where they kind of lose direction on certain storylines or they revisit it every third or fourth week and... Um, I think it could greatly benefit from adding somebody to help him with that. You got Dustin Rhodes there, who is obviously the son of Dusty Rhodes. You have Big Show. You have Mark Henry. You have William Regal. You have Tony Schiavone. You have Jim Ross. All these people with years and years and years of experience, maybe not so much with booking, but just like, all right, this worked here. This is how I think it could work with X. Like say Mark Henry goes, hey, this worked for me in WWE. Maybe we could have this work for Powerhouse Hot. Uh, Big Show. Hey, this worked for me in, in WCW. Maybe this could work at, uh, with Wardlow. Tony Schiavone. Hey, you know what? Let's give this guy some airtime, you know, and I could do an interview with him. JR, you know, you know, that guy's tougher than a $2 steak. He needs more matches, whatever the case may be. Some help. And I think we kind of saw that a couple weeks ago or a couple months ago where they kind of revamped some of the roles underneath Tony Khan that it's heading to that point. So could he use maybe like a booking team? If we know that he definitely doesn't have one, it's all coming out of his head, then yes. But for all we know, he probably does have a booking team, but he just makes the final call anyway. Similar to Vince McMahon. He had a booking team, but he made the final decision regardless. Next question comes from Siege Luigi. It feels like to me, anytime AEW puts a title on a baby face that gets over organically, they give them the title. The moment falls flat. For example, Thunder Rosa or the Acclaim. Do you agree with this? And why do you think this happened? Is there anything Tony Khan could do differently to prevent that from happening? I don't think. Do you think the Acclaim fell flat in their win? I, I don't think the match was as good as their first one. No, I think the, the moment they won, actually, I think got a good reaction. Me too. I understand where you might be like, oh, well, why did they, why did Billy Gunn have to get involved to win the match? And obviously we see the follow-up where Keith Lee goes up to them and is like, dude, Billy Gunn's carrying you and then walks off. But we have national scissors day or whatever. So we'll see how that develops. I do think there is a trend with this though. And we see this not just in AEW, but WWE where someone has this big push and this big storyline that we get behind. They win the title. And then afterwards there's like nothing, no follow-up, no story ahead because honestly, whoever's the promoter or booking are like, wow, that was a great moment. And then you have this guy lingering around for four to six months and then they give the title to someone else and the way they lose it isn't the greatest way. And then it's, oh, they're buried, their title. They deserve better as champion. They didn't get a fair shot. That's, that was WWE yeah. too. I don't think this is just an AEW thing. 
And quite honestly, it might just be like, unfortunately, the nature of the business, because it's like, yeah, this guy had a great moment. We were behind him. But now that he got what he was chasing for, the story's over. It's very hard. I I think the two best examples of what this person's talking about in AEW right now are FTR and Wardlow. You know, and I know FTR is not the tag champions, but they have championships and they mm-hmm. were super over and Wardlow has a championship and he was super over and you would have to look in between a rock and a hard place to find them doing anything meaningful on any show on a, in AEW. Right. And so. if you're looking at WWE, the big one I think is obvious is Kofi Kingston. We were there at that WrestleMania, huge moment for him winning the WWF champ or WWE championship against Daniel Bryan. He had a decent run, but people only remember the eight second match he had with Brock Lesnar and are like that title reign sucked. He deserves better. It was better than I think people give it credit for But next question comes from Ryan Davis. How long will it take MJF to cash in his chip and become AEW world champion? I think they made a good call with Moxley. He came back. He cut that great promo. He's reinvigorated. Um, He's the right guy to go with right now because he's always been their go-to guy. But MJF is super over. He's one of the top guys in the industry. He's homegrown talent. I mean, I think they laid it on pretty thick on this past episode of Dynamite that yep. it could be that Cincinnati show where Moxley and Hangman are facing off. Moxley wins, but then say the firm comes out and attacks him afterwards, and that leads to the cash in, and MJF beats Moxley in his hometown. And maybe that writes off Moxley so he could take off his six-week vacation that he was supposed to get before, you know, he had to end up taking the title back and be the face of AEW all over again. I agree with you. It's going to be sooner rather than later. Next question comes from Tony Ace. Another MJF question. When MJF's career is over, do you see him being one of the best wrestlers of all time? The best of all time. Um... Definitely one of the best, maybe one of the best talkers. But then you're also talking, all right, we got to compare him to The Rock, to Austin, to Piper, to Hogan. You know, in-ring wise, I mean, there's so many people you could put on that conversation. Is he he a better wrestler in-ring than Shawn Michaels or Bret Hart or Kurt Angle or Macho Man? I also Uh, think it comes down to what do people value more? Like some people value the in-ring, you know, and they may say the best ever is you know, uh, Bret Hart, uh, mm-hmm. or Shawn Michaels, Shawn Michaels was okay on the mic, but he wasn't great. Um, are you amazed to get somebody who's going to say larger than life characters? Hulk Hogan's the greatest ever. Austin's the, the rock. Those are the, the greatest ever. Do I think he'll be at that level? And in that conversation, I think it's going to come down to something. And I know people aren't going to like this, but WWE is still the number one wrestling promotion in the world right now, no matter what people want to say. Can AEW surpass them? Maybe at some point. Can Max be a part of that? Yes, absolutely. He could be the guy that is the catalyst for it. And if he is, then yeah, I think people will talk about him in that conversation. But I think when you, when the perception, because that's what you need to overcome in order for people to consider you the greatest is the perception with pro wrestling, like portraying yourself as bigger and larger than life. He would have to go to WWE. He would have to have certain level of success at a WrestleMania, at some larger shows. Everything he's doing in AEW is amazing, but just being honest, most people, casuals, hardcore fans, everybody else included, 
look at WWE as the number one promotion because it still is. And he would have to go there and find a certain level of success. And I, in my opinion, for people to truly put him up there with the likes of uh, Austin Rock, Kurt Angle, Hogan, any, anybody. I, I, I don't even know. I mean, there's very few guys that would even be on that list that didn't at least go through WWE at one point. You know, it, it, right. and, and if, based on Ameri- the American fan base, you can talk about Japan and all that stuff. That's different. I mean, again, you brought it up. It all depends on personal preference. But I also think recency bias kind of plays a role in this. Because as we get further and further away to certain eras of wrestling, you know, we stop talking about the likes of a Bruno San Martino or yeah. an Ernie Ladd, you know, those kind of guys, a Bob Backlund. And then eventually we might somehow, I mean, unless the generations just keep talking about them, we might stop talking about a Hulk Hogan or a Macho Man Randy Savage or a Ricky Steamboat or Ric Flair or an Ultimate Warrior. Although Ultimate Warrior was never a good wrestler. But that's a perfect example because when you ask people who are lapsed fans that no longer watch wrestling, Who'd you grow up with? Who were great wrestlers? Like people will say Ultimate Warrior. Was he good in the ring? No, but again, it's what do you value most? Warrior's presence, like his persona, everything that was the Ultimate Warrior made him great. Was he good in the ring? No, but it was, look, wrestling's not just about what happens in the ring bell to bell. There's a lot of good wrestlers, especially now when there's so many people that go through schools and uh, it's just that, that they're a dime a dozen, so to speak. A great character? In today's age, MJF is one of them. Can he keep right. it fresh for 30 years like a, a Ultimate Warrior, a Hogan? Or a, even know. a guy like, even a guy I know he gets compared to a lot with him is The Miz. Now, The Miz is never a top guy in WWE, but he's been consistently like a go-to guy as far as characters, promo, and even some of his matches, like he gets underrated in ring-wise. And there's a reason why MJF and The Miz get compared to all the time because they're so similar in their approach where it's like, I'm going to out-talk everybody that I'm in a promo segment with and my matches are going to be good enough for you to be connected with, even though I probably will never have a five-star match according to Dave Meltzer, but you get the occasional, hey, The Miz had a great match with Seth Rollins and Finn Balor, or The Miz had a great match with Dolph Ziggler. The Miz had a great, or uh, MJF had a great match with Jungle Boy. MJF had a great match with CM Punk. But you're never going to say like, oh my God, MJF had the greatest match of all time. You're not going to talk about his matches like Kenny Omega versus Kazuchika Okada or Shawn Michaels versus The Undertaker. And that's not necessarily a bad thing because look, look at the reaction that he gets right now from the crowd. To me, that's, that's most important. Yep. And You got guys like Kevin Nash, for example, where he rates the best wrestlers by who could draw the most money, including himself. He's like, look, I made more money than these guys. They're all doing these flippity doodahs and flippity days. And I'm just out here doing a jackknife power bomb and finger poking a doom and making a shit ton of money doing it to him. That's the best wrestler. Yep. But next question comes from Rasmus Emil Bertelsen. Who beats Chris Jericho for the Ring of Honor Championship? Daniel Garcia. We just did a whole episode on this. Yes, we did break this down on our weekend review episode. If you haven't checked that out, link is going to be in the description. But I do think it will be Brian Danielson. And then 
they have Daniel Garcia versus Brian Danielson at full gear. Next question comes from Mex for Life. Is the honeymoon period for Triple H and Creative over? No, not by a long <laughs> shot. Um, I, I, I think that Triple H is doing a fine job. It reflects in all the numbers and everything that's kind of going on. I, I don't think uh, Triple H is doing a bad job at all. There might be sometimes there's some questionable things like Solo Sequoia, Solo Sokoa, I should say, wins the North American Championship and then has to hand it back a week later, or Dakota Kai and Eos Guy lose the finals in the tournament only to win the titles two weeks later. There's kind of that stuff going on, but for the most part, like every person that's on television has a reason to be on television, and there's like a story behind them. It's not just all right, well, fans seem to like him. Let's put him in a match. All right, let's start and stop this push. Hey, I kind of like this guy. Eh, I'm getting old of him. Let's go with someone else instead. You know, he's actually invested in guys like Gunther. Sheamus, for crying out loud. Uh, you know, the Sami Zayn situation. Dexter Loomis, Kevin Owens, Johnny Gargano. Even like in a losing effort, you got Alpha Academy. Yeah. And Braun Strowman. So no, I don't think the honeymoon phase is over. There's questionable things, yes, but I don't think the honeymoon phase is over. Our next question comes from Twitter, actually, at Super Mario86. And of course, you can always uh, ask questions on there by tweeting us using the hashtag AskSCPB. He asks, does Extreme Rules have too many gimmick matches? And is it lazy booking? Uh, no, it's called extreme rules. So I would expect every match to have some sort of extreme rule. And I don't think fans would be upset with that. So I am going to say no. Every match that has a stipulation, in it, obviously there's a good reason to have it. And uh, as I said in my week, our weekend review episode a couple days ago, the one that I don't think makes too much sense is Bailey arguing like I pinned Bianca Belair. I'm the first one to do it in 300 days, but I'm going to have a ladder match instead. Even like Liv Morgan and Ronda Rousey, which is technically the only extreme rules match. The story is, can Liv Morgan be extreme enough to beat Ronda Rousey? You have the I quit match with Edge and Finn because Edge just keeps coming back and coming back and coming back. will never quit, but he's going to force Finn Balor to quit. Mm -hmm. You have Drew and, and Karrion Cross in a strap match. There's obviously a tie-in with that. Gunther and Imperium against the brawling brutes and Sheamus. They just want to beat the crap out of each other. So what better way than by having a Donnybrook and then uh, the fight pit with Seth and Matt Riddle obviously makes so much sense. So no, I don't think this is lazy booking at all. In fact, for the most part, it's actually been good booking and actually good storytelling to lead to these matches. Unlike what was it? That TLC, it was TLC and stairs that one pay-per-view where it was like, all right, this random match is going to be a tables match. This random match is going to be a ladder match. This one is going to be a chairs match. This one's going to be a stairs match. And it was so random that they just yep. like made up stories just to get to those stipulations. At least these are stories that just happen to lead to the stipulation. It's not just like, all right, we need matches on the card. All right, we need stipulations. Or my favorite is when we have Hell in a Cell and it's like, well, we need two Hell in a Cell matches. So let's have this one that starts the feud. We know they're going to wrestle for three months, but we're going to start with Hell in a Cell. And then this one here that has no business having a Hell in a Cell match, that one's going to be the other Hell in a Cell match. Our last question comes from ScottyMan96 at Twitter as well. 
Uh, he asked, do you think WWE was right for not turning John Seal heel when he was on top of WWE? I do. I do not think they should have turned him heel. I don't think, I mean, look, I think part of the reason why many of John Cena's matches are as good as they are is because of the reaction you get from the crowd. Uh, Cena is the poster boy. He's the guy that's going to get pushed by WWE. He is the similar to Hogan. You know, if, if Hogan going to WCW with the same gimmick, he was getting booed. It was like, okay, you get the the fans, the little kids, the the moms, whoever else who are really into Cena. You get the let's go Cena, Cena sucks chance. It's just a different atmosphere. It always makes for a fun atmosphere. It always makes for uh, a unique type of approach to a match, especially when you get somebody like a CM Punk who's going to go against him or somebody like that. You lose that. If you tur- Look, if, if you turned him heel, all the cynical IWC fans would probably cheer him and he would just be like anybody else. So I think it was a good call not to ever turn him. It's easy to play Monday morning quarterback with this situation, given that we have like 20 years to play it. But you look at Roman Reigns and be like, why couldn't you do that with Cena? This is what they were looking for for five, six years that they couldn't get at all. You know, you look back at that night after WrestleMania where he beat The Undertaker and 10 minutes the crowd, the crowd is booing the hell out of him. And I, I'm pretty sure they F-bombed him too in that night. And he couldn't talk for like 10 minutes. Now people acknowledge him. They yep. got what he was supposed to do. Now, Cena, I think, was a better draw and still is compared to Roman Reigns, even now at the top level he's at. So it's hard to make the debate to say like, all right, they definitely should have turned him heel. But you see what happened with Roman and just think, if you did the same thing with Cena, say 2000. 13 2014 or when he first loses to the rock and he starts going down the downward trial uh spiral and eventually turns heel who knows what happens between 2014 and you know 2018 19 totally you know started doing part-time stuff i don't know i don't know <laughs> what to say one of the many unanswered questions the world may never know all right if you have any questions for us you could comment them below this video or if you want top priority you could join our membership click join Underneath this video, get some cool perks like early access to episodes and add free episodes, plus a promo code for percentage off our merchandise that again, link in the description or click join underneath this video, subscribe, and we'll see you on the next episode of the Squared Circle Psychobabble.